Hello, this is Their Voices Podcast with PJ and Colleen. Hello. So this episode we talked about Polonia, and Polonia is the, it's Polish people outside of Poland. Sounds good. Should we listen to your recording? Yes. And then we'll talk? Oh, wait. We have to make a correction before we get into it. Um, so I accidentally said, wait, what did I say? I, I meant to say Kazakhstan. 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 But I said Kazakhstan, right? I think that's something like that. But you meant, you meant to say Kazakhstan. Yeah. Instead of that other word. Mm -hmm. So just a little, uh, editorial note before you listen. So, so let's, let's have a listen. The Polish diaspora is known as Polonia. The word Polonia is Latin for Poland, and since most Poles moved to Latin-speaking countries, the name caught on. The name also caught on because Polish people are often Catholic, and Catholics use Latin during church services and for other religious reasons. Most but not all of the Polish diaspora is Jewish, though. Many of these Jewish immigrants fled religious persecution, among other things. Other Poles, like my ancestors, who were non-Jewish, mostly Catholics, although there are some Protestants, left due to economic struggles as well as famines, Famines were quite common in Poland due to political struggles that the people had to face. The first diaspora of Poles was in Japan, actually. These Poles were missionaries. The first colonial Poles to leave Poland went to Jamestown. They were some of the first Europeans to settle in the New World. Many of these Poles were Protestants, and they fled mostly due to how Catholic Poland was at the time. Many of them were skilled workers, like glassmakers, but some of them were farmers. The Poles in Jamestown are credited for the first workers' strike in America, as well as introducing a version of baseball to the English settlers. In Europe, Polonia mostly exists in major cities like Paris, London, Copenhagen, and many others. These expats left for better jobs than were available in Poland, and most of them are more, are more recent, like in the 1900s and 2000s. But some of them have a much deeper history with Polonia, like England, France, the Netherlands, and and Turkey. Poles have been in these countries for around 100 to 200 years. Most of them were immigrants who who came to these countries were not planning on staying. They were simply looking for work. Fate had it that World War I and World War II would start, leaving most of these Poles stuck and now refugees. After the war, many of these 
immigrants had settled down and had families. And their families, their children and grandchildren, had integrated into the society and only spoke the language of the lingua franca of the country they were in. I actually have the story in my family. My paternal grandfather has cousins who lived in the Netherlands, France, and England during the war. They were workers and decided to stay in the country. Fun fact, a lot of these Poles were in the resistance. Many of them fought against fascism and helped Jewish people escape Europe. The other Polish diaspora in Europe were Poles who still live, who used to live in Polish land, especially parts that were considered in, in the 1600s Polish Lithuania. These Poles are now in Ukraine, Russia, and the Baltics. And like I said just a second ago, most of these Poles can trace their history back to the Polish Commonwealth, Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, before the partitions of 1772, 1793, and 1795, which destroyed the Polish state until after World War I. After World War II, most of the Polish populations of Belarus and the Ukraine got relocated to Serbia and other Soviet states like Pakistan. This was mostly due to Stalin, who forced immigration into these regions. Next to go, next we go to Asia, or as we say in Polish, Asia. Like I said before, lots of Polish people were relocated, mostly forced into other Soviet republics. But you may be surprised to know that that was not the only way Poles got to Asia. There were early settlements in Asia by, by refugees who fled the German Nazis and the Russian communists. Many of these refugees were young, unaccompanied children who walked to Asia. One of these children was named Helena Mishak, who went to Pakistan and then Asfen in Iran, where she lived in an orphanage until she until they found a place to put the Polish children. The British decided that the children would be sent to Beirut and then return the children to their families. This often didn't happen, though. Most of these children were orphans. Their parents had died in the war, hence why they traveled to Asia. For Jews and other Gentiles... Israel became the homeland. Before World War II, when Zionism was becoming popular in the 1800s, Jews slowly moved to the homeland. It wasn't until after World War II when Israel really grew. Many displaced peoples, even non-Jewish people, moved to Israel. Many of them integrated into society and they dropped Polish and Yiddish for Hebrew. In Africa, there's a very, very small community of Poles, mostly in South Africa. And like the Poles in Asia and in the Middle East, 
these Poles were refugees from World War II. Some 30,000 Poles are in South Africa. 12,000 were soldiers in the Polish army who fled Poland once Poland collapsed in World War II. 500 were orphans from Siberia. Besides that, very little is known about the African-Polish diaspora. In the Americas, where most of the Polish diaspora is, there are nine countries with very large Polish connections. Haiti, Mexico, the USA, Canada, Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, and Uruguay all have extremely large Polish populations. Of the nine, Mexico, Brazil, Colombia, and Uruguay have very, very recent Polish populations that can only be traced back to World War II. The Polish people in Canada came in the 1800s, mostly in 1880, um, mostly also from Prussia, the Prussian partition of Poland. Most of them were looking for jobs and for a better life and stayed in Canada. They formed the Canadian Polish Congress, which they used as an advocacy group to promote and protect Polish history and their culture. Some famous Polish Can Canadians, like Peter Gajowski, a popular radio personality, were among the members of this Polish Congress. Next is Chile. Although the Poles have been in, in Chile since the 1700s, they all come from a small group, and the history of this group is very weird and very confusing, so it's, it's not something that I know enough about to explain. They were likely similar to the Jamestown settlers and were glassmakers and farmers and were Protestant, probably, although they became Catholic later. Another part of the Chilean Polish community, in 1947, 1,500 survivors of the concentration camps settled in Chile, most of them Jewish. In Brazil, we encounter a similar problem of Poles not leaving their mark, except for in Carbuda. The city of Carbuda is in southern Brazil, and it is the second biggest Polish diaspora in the world, just behind Chicago. The city has been populated by Poles since 1870, most Catholic, but also Jewish. These Poles left an extremely diverse community that can only be found here. Outside of Carbuda, there are a few villages nearby settled settled by Poles and still speak Polish. In Argentina, there are three distinct groups of Poles. Catholics, Orthodox, and Jews. Catholics make up 25%, which is quite small considering that most of the Polish diaspora is Catholic. 50% is Orthodox, which is quite large, and 25 is Jewish. No one is quite sure when the Poles started moving to Argentina, but it likely happened in the 1890s or before. 
most early immigrants were likely Christians. Well, the people who came later in the 1940s were mostly Jewish. Argentina has an interesting history with Poles and Jews. Because most Argentinians had supported the Nazis in World War II, there is still feud between the Poles and the Argentinians, even today. The last two countries are America and Haiti, who probably have the deepest root with the Polish community. Within both of these countries, Poles influenced the culture forever and changed the history of these countries. It's weird to think that the Polish diaspora in Haiti is one of the smallest, but it is. No one's exactly sure how many Polish Haitians there are. But what we do know is that 5,000 Polish soldiers came to the island during the Napoleonic War, and about 4,000 died, leaving only 1,000 of them. These 1,000 soldiers flipped from fighting for France to fighting with the Haitians. These Poles then were given citizenship by the Haitians and accepted. They are the only group in Haiti outside of the Haitians that is accepted by Haitian nationalists. This is an extremely prestigious and something that makes a lot of Polish people proud. But this is not the only thing that the Haitians did. Most of these Poles had descendants that went to Kazel, which is where most of their descendants are today. They also influenced the culture. One of the most revered Polish religious symbols is an icon named Black Madonna, which was absorbed into Haitian culture and Haitian voodooism as Zari. This image of the Black Virgin Mary holds a dark, holding a dark-skinned infant Jesus has influenced the vision of one of the Haitian Laowa spirits as well. They are one of the most interesting Polonia groups in the world. And if I had more time and I understood the culture more, I would talk about it. In America, where most of my ancestors live, there are believed to be 10 million Polish Americans, which I'm one of them, and most of my family is also in, counted in this 10 million. Like I said before, Poles have been in America since Jamestown. This was probably the smallest group of Poles ever to emigrate to America. Polish immigration is often split into three parts. The first is the 1600s to the 1870s, where most of the people immigrating were rich Poles who were skilled in a specific occupation. None of my ancestors were these, and most of them often didn't keep their culture and just were absorbed into American culture. And a lot of their descendants don't actually know that they're Polish. So that's very interesting. 
from 1870 to 1914 is the second era. During this time, Poles were fleeing from the Germans, the Russians, and the Austrian governments. Most of these immigrants were very, very poor, usually Catholic or Jewish. Well, before the Polish population was Protestant, this is where all of my ancestry comes in. My ancestors were very, very poor, and they often came here looking for a better life, and if they had stayed, they would have likely died. The last era is 1940 to 1950. All of these Poles were Jewish. Some of them were Catholic, but it's an extremely small minority. Once in America, Polonia struck up in Chicago, New York, and Philadelphia. Philadelphia is where my ancestors settled. My ancestors also settled in Minneapolis, but Minneapolis has a very, very small Jewish or Polish community. It is bigger than a lot of other cities, but it's not as big as Philadelphia, New York, or Chicago. These Poles set up their own political groups, like the Polish American Congress, which is extremely similar to the Polish Canadian Congress. Okay, I think that was pretty cool. That's a lot of details. Thank you. I worked really hard on that episode, actually. Good. I hope you're able to use some of this stuff for classwork. (laughs) I would if I were you. (laughs) When am I going to get to write an essay or something about Poland? You gotta improvise. You never know. So... How does it feel being Polish? Amazing. It's the best ethnic group. Um, I don't know. It's very, it's a very interesting culture, especially being from America. Usually people don't think you're one of the major ethnic groups in America is Polish people. So that's very interesting to know and i didn't know i was very polish until about six years ago thought i was mostly czech and how long had has your polish family been in america your how long has the polish lines been in america so my um my father's side is 1880 and then my mother's side is 1900s 19 well, 1890 to 1913 is when they immigrated to America. Oh, okay. Sort of like when my um, my last ancestors arrived to America, it was 1892, so yeah, cool. I think that was a really big time, like the late 1800s, early 1900s was a really major time for people to immigrate here. Yeah, there were a lot of wars and um, famines and things like that. So it was very easy just to decide to leave Europe at that time. Yeah. Do you do anything that celebrates or honors your your ancestry, your Polish ancestry? 
Um, well, I'm, I mean, I'm learning a lot about the culture. Um, I'm learning Polish, as you, I think you know. Uh, I think so, yeah. I'm trying to think what else. I mean, obviously researching them is honoring them. Yeah. I, we eat a lot of Polish food at my house. Like babka, like what? babka um, kolbasa, which is sausage. Um, a while ago, I had a Polish candy bar for the first time. Hmm, cool. So I've been very close to Poland. And I've actually been in places that used to be Poland. I think I've told you that before. Mm-hmm. And... I remember I, the place for those who are listening uh, is uh, Lviv, Ukraine, and I spent a lot of time, well, a year or so in Ukraine, and Lviv is a really interesting city, and the the architecture in the city itself is so interesting because it has Polish influences, it has Russian and it has like Romanian, like all sorts of different architectural influences. And while the people there identify predominantly as Ukrainian, there's always that group that you like, you know, like those people very likely have Polish ancestry. A lot of the SKI endings on the ends yep. of their names, you know. Um, one little story in. Two cemeteries in Lviv. There was a Catholic cemetery and I want to say some sort of Protestant or Orthodox cemetery. And for some reason, in one of the cemeteries, you had to be that religion of all the people had to be the same religion. And so this husband and wife, one was Catholic and the other was the other religion. I can't remember what it was, but they have the two cemeteries are right next to each other the husband's grave is on one side of the wall the wife's is on the other and there's like this statue coming across and they're like holding hands that's really across cool. the wall yeah <laughs> i mean in in america catholic cemeteries are still only catholic cemeteries well i'm not i'm i'm sure some are that way but not all of them but yeah i could i could be wrong I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I've gone to all Polish cemeteries. They exist in America as well. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I'm sure if you're related to someone buried there, you can be buried there, but it's a Polish neighborhood, so any everyone's Polish anyway. Yeah. So was there anything else that you wanted to add but maybe didn't add to this episode? I think I wish I knew more about the Haitian Poles. They're such an interesting group. And they have so much influence, surprisingly, in Haiti. Culturally and historically. I wish I knew more about them. And I also wish I could have probably talked more about American Polish influence, probably. But, I mean, I don't know what I would add entirely. Yeah, I know some Polish Americans growing up in Michigan. One of my best friends in high school was Polish American. And it wasn't until this year that I found out that there was a festival 
in my my hometown and but then again I didn't really go to any of the festivals like I knew about the one the the main one for the like over the 4th of July but other than that I didn't know about them but when I found it out I'm like really there's a Polish one <laughs> but I guess I just didn't get out much that's probably what it was <laughs> like they um they I don't know if you've seen some of these lists about like you know you're from whatever state because and then they list all yep. of the different things um I can't remember the name of it but it's like a a food that's a Polish food it's like pot potski pot um I'm actually gonna google it and I'll just definitely cut this part out yeah, but I don't know hold on a second I don't know what you're talking Polish about. Polish food. It's not pierogi. It's <laughs> That's the only food I know. Pierogi. It's vereniki to me. <laughs> vereniki. Michigan Polish food. I think it's Polish. Polonia restaurant? No, it's a specific food. Just a second. I have no idea what you're talking about. I know you don't. You're not from Michigan. <laughs> I have ancestors from Michigan. From Ironwood. Are they ancestors or relatives? Ancestors. Katharina Jakinski is from, Pol- or from Poland. From Michigan. She was born in Ironwood. I want to know what this is. It's going to annoy Pierogi? me. Kobasa. It's not... Uh, no, no, no. It's... Pa- pa- is it a dessert? No, it's um. A closed. Watch it not be something that's. Yeah, if it's not Polish, then I'll be very sad. I will be too. <laughs> Pakazak, like, is it? Oh wait, you can't see it. Pakazak. It's um. How's it spelled? P. Oh wait, I can't read backwards. P a c z k i. Patsky, yes. Told you. I know what I'm talking about. It's a Polish donut. So the name of it is Patsky, and I'd never heard of that before. And all of these stories, you know, those lists say, you know, you're from Michigan if you've had Patskis. And I'm like, I've never had Patskis. I've never heard of it before. I've had Patskis. Can Does that mean I'm from Michigan? I mean... I guess, because you're Polish, so I guess everyone... I don't know. Michigan's... <laughs> I really think a lot of... M- Michigan's really not a Polish state, though. I think what it is, is there must be a population of Polish people, and I think it's over on the east side of the state. But the problem is, there. I have friends in my hometown in Grand Rapids that know what Potskis mm-hmm. are. So, I don't know, maybe Grand Rapids is also a Polish... You know, obviously it's not as big as like the population in was it minnesota yeah minnesota has a very big polish population chicago's the biggest obviously and since chicago is a really big population i'm it's no surprise that there's some in michigan because you know the state's surrounding a a large you know place is going to have an influence on those i know there are polish people in the upper peninsula in Ironwood is a Ironwood's a very Polish place. Um, yeah, I think a lot of those people are were in the mining industry. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all that's been a 
in the UP, but don't at me if you're from the UP and that's not um, just what your family did. So just don't at me, okay? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm from I'm from West Michigan, the best city in the state, so I'm I'm biased totally. Anyways, so one day I'll have a potski and I can I'm sure I'll enjoy it and I'm sure I'll be like, "Oh, this reminds me of blah blah blah." I bet you. It makes me wonder if I've had it in Ukraine and they just have a different name for it there. I bet you. I think you. they're called the cripples in some places like K-R-E-P-E-L, maybe, is how that's spelled. Hmm. Um, it's been over a decade, like um, 15 or so years since I was in mm-hmm. Ukraine, so I don't remember. <laughs> you guys have a, in um in Grand Rapids, there's a Polish heritage society. So you guys have a big enough Polish group. In... Grand Rapids, the second biggest ethnic group's polls. Ha. After Hollander people. Dutch, not Hollander. It says Hollander, though. Holland is an old-fashioned word for people from the Netherlands. And there's people who don't live in Holland in the Netherlands. Because there's actually provinces in the Netherlands. There's Holland or South Holland or something like that. Um, so like someone in Friesland would be like, I'm not a Hollander. I'm from the Netherlands. I'm Friesland, the Friesian or something like that. Or someone from Zeeland would be like, no, I'm not a Hollander. So they get a little bit offended. So, but yes, the Dutch are more populous in Grand Rapids than the Polish. So I learned something new today. Polish are the second largest group in my hometown. They're one of the biggest ethnic groups in my town as well. We have a lot of Polish people here. We even, Some people even speak mm. Polish, which is surprising. Yeah, because I bet they I bet they might I, I imagine they're probably not immigrants either. Yeah. So. It, I, we have a deli just around the corner, and they speak Polish. Like, in the restaurant or in the deli, you, they don't speak English at all. They just speak Polish. And then when, like, Someone who's not, who doesn't speak Polish comes and they all switch to English. It's so interesting. Yeah, it kind of, like here in the city that I live in, there's a lot of Armenians. And some of the restaurants are owned by Armenians. And so you can hear them talking to each other in that, even though very likely most of them are second, third, second or third generation. So... But it makes sense that they'd still be speaking yeah. at that point. But I wonder how long the population has been where you're I from. I don't know. It's been World there. War Two, So. So still pretty recent. So they would still be within three generations. So it makes sense that they're speaking the language. Anyways. Well, that was an interesting episode. Thank you for sharing with us about the Polish diaspora. You're welcome. Polonia. So our next episode, where I'm going to be talking about the Dutch diaspora, and we'll see how that goes, because I haven't finished writing it. (laughs) That's a a much bigger episode than mine, though. 
I think. I mean, it depends on how well I write it, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, there is a somewhat longer history because the, the Dutch also colonized areas as well. So especially during the Dutch Golden Age. All right. So thanks for joining us on this episode and be sure to like and subscribe and follow us over on Twitter at their voices underscore pod. And we'll see you next time.